Glory to Jesus Christ. Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish presents Light of the East, a program revealing how the Eastern Catholic Churches have nourished the Roman Catholic Churches and today's world in profound ways through their histories, traditions, mysteries, and spirituality. Hello, I am Father Thomas J. Loya, pastor of Annunciation of the Mother of God Byzantine Catholic Church in Homer Glen, Illinois, and this is a story of the Eastern Churches, an inspiring story of faith, courage, intrigue, mystery, spirituality, dissension, and reconciliation. But most of all, this is an expression of a great experience of faith through our unique divine liturgy. Join with me now as we look toward the Light of the East. Light of the East is also supported by Eastern Christian Publications, where you can find the prayers of the Catholic Byzantine Daily Office at ecpubs.com and by easternchristianmedia.com, a broadband network for you to learn more about the Eastern Catholic Churches. That's easternchristianpublications.com. Glory to Jesus Christ. Welcome to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Thalia, your host. Well, we're certainly in the season of flus and viruses, and of course, we've got this menace of the COVID virus, the pandemic, and a lot of other things, too. There are other things that are going around, and not just COVID. It's not to downplay it, but there's so many other things going around. But that's typical of this season. We all know that, especially if you've lived in certain parts of the United States, like the Midwest, you know, where we go through tough winters. These can be times of a lot of different kind of flus and viruses, colds, and so on and even more serious things. Everything should be taken seriously, of course, but it runs the spectrum. So in order to endure all this, we're going to walk through it a bit by looking at what the Eastern Christian spirituality has to offer regarding health, how we can negotiate through this time of health. In other words, we're going to apply, as we try to do always in this program, the relevancy the effectiveness, the charism of Eastern Christian spirituality. We do present its history here, but we like to make it relevant. It's a living thing. It's a relevant thing. It's something we need to live and to use for our our benefit, both on this earth and, of course, for salvation. So I welcome you to the Eastern Christian Field Hospital. Some of the saints, and even more recently, Pope Francis, have described the church as a field hospital. People come here to church because they're sick. They need healing. Of course, he means spiritual healing, but actually it goes even beyond that. And we priests, such as myself, we are actually physicians. That's right. In a sense, we are physicians. And the reason is that we, as priests, represent the divine physician. There really is no healing except by Jesus Christ himself. He is the divine physician. Furthermore, we priests understand, and we should understand, and represent also the right view of the human person. If we're talking about health, disease, and being healthy, becoming healthy, staying healthy, we're talking about a human person. In the Eastern Christian spirituality, the human person is made up of soul, spirit, and body. That's three things, not just body and soul. Body, soul, and spirit. 
And we have to understand the human person that way. You have to understand anything that way. You have to start out with the fundamental direction in place. If we understand the anthropological, the theological anthropological, now it's a big word, <laughs> the theological anthropological meaning or why behind the human person, then we knew how to deal and be human persons, even in the case of illness. We also know as priests, as the Bible tells us, we know the origins of illness. Yes, even physical illness, not only physical, any kind of illness, because illness attacks those parts of us that are all the parts of us. Remember, spirit, soul, and body. We can be attacked with illness on any of those levels. Most of the time, of course, we're talking about physical illness. But the origins of that are sin. It goes all the way back to the Garden of Eden, to original sin. Because sin brought into the world something foreign. It's called death. And with death is everything related to sin. So any kind of sickness, any kind of maladies, transgressions, imperfections in life, from dying of a terrible disease to skinning our knee, to stubbing our toe. It's all about sin. That's right. The imperfections were never meant to be in creation. God created everything wonderful and perfect, but it was our free will, going back to Adam and Eve, that chose to allow now death and all related to death to come into the reality of this world, to corrupt the order that God had created for us, this wonderful order, this wonderful life that we had without sickness, without death. It got corrupted from man's sin, and that is still the case to this day. Illness, maladies come ultimately from sin. Now, it may not be that we're personally culpable. We can't necessarily blame ourselves for getting sick, but we all are collectively culpable by virtue of the fact that we inherited original sin. Of course, if you're baptized, you were freed from that, but the effects are still here. We still have to choose to cooperate with our baptismal graces in order to be healthy. But this world is not perfect yet. There'll be a new creation, new Jerusalem, and of course that will be heaven. And God will do something with this earth that will recreate it and make things wonderful again. But in the meantime, we have to struggle with these effects of sin. Illness is always a matter of lifestyle, life choices, always a matter of really of spirituality. And in the church, and the reason why we call the church a field hospital is because the church has in it everything we would need to really be healthy. And what do I mean by that? Am I a MD, a medical doctor? Can I prescribe medicine and so on? No, not in that sense. But as a priest and the church itself is actually a hospital and we are doctors in a greater way, actually. We have to understand that the approach to health has to be holistic. By that I mean we have to understand the human person in our wholeness as spirit, soul, and body and approach health that way, which means that what we do with our body affects our soul and spirit and vice versa. So if our spirit and soul, and by spirit I mean, in a sense, it's almost like the soul of the soul. This comes from the Byzantine spiritual masters. They tended to see the human person in that three-part formation, spirit, soul, and body. The spirit would be that presence of God, that grace in us that animates our soul. And of course, our soul is contained within a body. And although they're separate entities, you can't really separate them out. They do get separated at death temporarily, but they'll be reunited again at the final judgment, the general resurrection. But you can't really separate them out if you're talking about treating the person, especially when it comes to health, because they all work together. It's kind of a synergy or an integration. And so if our spirituality is in the right place, then our bodies will tend to be in the right place as well. 
Now, it's not that everything that happens to us in terms of disease or diseases in the world is because of our fault directly, but it's the collective or general sinfulness and weakness of mankind. How about COVID, for example? Where did COVID come from? came from a laboratory, right? The Wuhan laboratories in China. And what was the coronavirus? What were they doing? They were developing a biochemical weapon, and they're trying to even make it more effective. That scandal has come out as well. In fact, some elements in America were even cooperating with that. And again, this has come out. So what is that? That's sin. And furthermore, because we're sinful beings, we're imperfect beings, We can't guarantee that something that dangerous as a biochemical weapon, a virus, is going to necessarily be perfectly contained by human beings who are fallible. It's almost inevitable that one or more viruses may get out. doesn't mean it will happen, but it's pretty much inevitable because human beings are not perfect. We can't do anything perfectly, at least not for a sustained time maybe temporarily, but not in the long run, because we're not God. So we developed these weapons to kill people, and we thought that we could keep them contained. Well, it didn't happen. So now we have this misery on earth because of lack of spirituality. And that lack of spirituality is behind all of our maladies. Think of how much sickness and lack of health there is in areas that are impoverished, disadvantaged. Why? Because behavior, life habits, not necessarily the faults of the people who are impoverished and who are disadvantaged, but it just so happens that their lifestyles are going to be, they're going to be hampered. They're going to be adversely influenced by their conditions, which in turn creates physical maladies, a vulnerability to illnesses. So what does disadvantaged people, what does poverty come from? Ultimately, it comes from sin. It comes from the great imbalances that we have in our world, and our society. It's not necessarily directly caused by people, but again, it's that collective kind of guilt that we have to look at, that collective culpability. Why is there so much poverty? Why are there so many people disadvantaged? And I'm not talking politically here. I'm talking about just the reality of so many people in the world. And with that usually comes a vulnerability to ill health. So the point here is that we have to look at this holistically. We have to look at the physical maladies in terms of their spiritual implications or their sources in spirituality, because that is what the human person is. For a long time, actually since the 16th century, when science as we know it began, there was a wonderful development in, in the fact that we know science and started back at about the 16th century. That was the big spike period. But there was also a downside to it. We began to develop a worldview which was departing from the worldview of the church. In other words, the sacramental liturgical worldview, that theological worldview of the human person. And that has actually profoundly influenced the way we approach health and medicine in our modern times. And there's a certain flaw in it. That flaw, again, stems from not having the correct foundation to begin with, the correct view of the human person. And in Eastern spirituality, we're going to see from that and from the field hospital of Eastern Christian churches, we're going to see how the aspects of the field hospital of Eastern Christian spirituality can work towards preventing health and also becoming healthy, at least as much as we can in this fallen world. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. 
Light of the East mission is Christianity's reunion. And to tell the story of the Eastern Lung of the Catholic Church, we need your support. In order to keep Light of the East on the air, you can make a donation now by going to ByzantineCatholic.com. That's ByzantineCatholic.com. And then donate securely using any major credit card. With your help, we can keep Light of the East's illumination bright. It's no secret that Father Loya and other speakers from the Tabor Life Institute are available to speak at your parish or group on marriage and family topics seen through the lens of St. John Paul II's Theology of the Body. Other topics include Eastern Christian spirituality and the significance of art in the church. The Tabor Life Institute can arrange for marriage encounters, parish missions, and can help your parish facilitate teen faith formation in either English or Spanish. For Father Loya and other speakers, contact the Tabor Life Institute by writing to taborlife at earthlink.net. That's Tabor spelled T-A-B-O-R, life, at earthlink.net. I'm Father Anthony Bush, pastor of St. Stanislaus Costco, the Sanctuary of the Divine Mercy in Chicago. And you are listening to Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. You are listening to the choirs of Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Church under the direction of Timothy Woods in Homer Glen, Illinois. This is the music you hear on Light of the East and is sung during the sacred liturgy at Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish. Order online at byzantinecatholic.com. All we ask is a donation of $20 or more, which includes shipping and handling to Annunciation Parish for each Theosis CD. Send a check made out to Annunciation Parish at 14610 Wilcook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. And may God grant you Welcome back to Light of the East. I'm Father Thomas Loyal, your host. We're talking about the Eastern Christian churches as a field hospital and how priests, such as myself, are actually physicians. And again, just to review, it's because we represent and make present the priesthood through the many aspects of the church, the divine physician. And any healing really is Christ. Christ is a divine healer. Also, we know the origins of illness and sickness, which is from sin, from original sin, which has its effects in our lives today. So what does the field hospital of Eastern Christianity have to offer? Well, first of all, we said the right worldview. That's the most important thing. You have to start out in the right direction, the right foundation. 
If I want to walk in an eastern direction, I have to be pointing my body east. And if I keep walking that way, I'll end up in some east destination, no matter how far away. But if my body is not pointed east, or if it's a little bit off, I'm not going to end up there in the long run. I may end up way off somewhere. It's the same thing with our approach to life, and especially to the human person and health. Our foundation has to be in the right direction. That direction is looking at the person as a whole, a composite, an ingenious integration of body, soul, and spirit. So what is good for the spirit and soul is good for the body and vice versa. Think of some of the examples we cited, that if conditions are not good, such as impoverishment and disadvantaged people, if they're not good, that can create a vulnerability to physical ailments, but so can spiritual maladies. If our spirituality is in the right place, we're not going to take care of our bodies. We're going to, for example, if we suffer from depression. Now, sometimes depression can be, of course, chemical thing, can be something inherited. It can also come, though, from our belief system, our faith, which is faulty. And so we become depressed. We make false gods out of things. We let things overcome us. And when we're depressed, we oftentimes don't take care of ourselves or proper care of ourselves physically. Now, again, it's not that we should be looking at ourselves and feeling guilty. We're just talking about how these things work in an integrated way, the body, the spirit, and the soul. And if we work on all three, we have better health. We have more preventive health. See, the problem is, as I was mentioning before, the advent of the scientific era, which is good, and that's what, of course, medical science functions out of, it is good, but it has a certain flaw. What started to happen going back to the 16th century, is that there was a flawed worldview that began to develop as we develop science as we know it. And that flawed worldview is the fact that things can be compartmentalized. We can focus just on the physical, the body. So medicine became a pursuit basically of tissues, of physical cells, you know, bones and tissues and organs, and how to add chemicals to that or pharmaceuticals, medicines to heal them. Now, yes, Pharmaceuticals, medicines are good, but we're talking about a fundamental approach that is flawed. By taking that approach, we ignore the rest of the person. For example, often does your doctor really go into your day-to-day habits of your life when you go and complain to the doctor, well, I have this, this, or that. How much time does the doctor actually take in going into your life habits, your lifestyles, you know, what you're eating, what you're not eating, how you're sleeping? I mean, they, they may ask rather superficial, quick questions in those few minutes you're in the office, but how deeply do they really go into your life, into those aspects of your life that have to do with your soul, spirit, and body? I guess maybe it's just not possible for them, but that actually would be a better approach to health. It would be more holistic because you would find that oftentimes the source of your physical malady lies in a psycho-spiritual source in your soul and spirit, something you're not doing or something you should be doing that actually would be based in proper spirituality. So this is the most important part, is the fundamental approach to the human person. Now, when it comes to the church, what do we have to offer specifically? Well, we have, as we see in our liturgy, our iconography, the prayer of the church, we have a very healthy rhythm of life, especially if you look at the monastics. There's a certain rhythm of our day, a certain rhythm of life through the year, liturgical year, through our days, the hours of the day, through the week. And the church is very, very much in touch with that cycle. And it roots that cycle for us in our lives in spirituality, in a remembrance, an immersion into the life of Christ and all that is good and healthy. So there's proper days and times to celebrate holy days, proper kinds of prayers at certain times of the day. And those things are actually good for our health. 
And that's why the monastics follow that regimen. They're very much in touch with the rhythm of the day and how to unite the rhythm of our day on this physical existence with the spiritual, with the kingdom of God on earth. And this becomes a very, very healthy thing. And that's why many monastics developed medicines. They had great insight into natural remedies because they're very much in touch with the natural order of things through their monastic life. The church also offers sacraments the seven sacraments. And those seven sacraments, each one of them actually has a healing dimension to them. That's right. Furthermore, we do things like we just did recently in many Eastern churches. We consecrated water and then we bless things with it. And we drank from that water. We called down the Holy Spirit upon the waters. And this happened during Theophany, the baptism of Christ, which was the manifestation of the Trinity. The priest called down with very elaborate prayers, the Holy Spirit, just as the priest does when he consecrates the Eucharist through the Holy Spirit. We consume the bread and wine, don't we? It becomes the body and blood of Christ. And we take that into our body. Well, it's the same thing with the consecrated water. We drink from that water. So we're drinking the presence of the Holy Spirit in us. What could be more medicinal, more preventive as far as illness than drinking the Holy Spirit, literally drinking in the Holy Spirit. And we use those and we use that water then to bless things. So topically and internally, we immerse ourselves in water that is filled with the Holy Spirit. So we have that to offer. We also have from the seven sacraments, as I mentioned, a healing element to each one of them. The Eucharist is received amidst prayers that say, we receive this or we ask for it for the remission of our sins and for the health of our body, for body and soul. And this is the same prayers that we do when the priest anoints someone who is sick, the anointing of the sick. Latin rite is often known as the last rites, but it doesn't have to be at the end of a person's life. Of course, it should be and can be, but it can be any time where they need healing. And what the priest does, once again, he calls down the Holy Spirit to bless the oil, to make it curative. And he anoints the person on all of their senses and on their chest, their hands and feet. So the whole body is being anointed with oil that has been blessed, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. So it has a healing aspect to it. In all of the sacraments, marriage, ordination, baptism, confirmation, they all have, in addition to confession and, of course, anointing of the sick and Eucharist, they all have a healing element to them because they immerse us in graces that are good for our body and soul. They immerse us in a life that, if lived according to those sacraments, is going to be healthy. Do you realize that men generally tend to be, men in particular, women are too, but generally men, they find, tend to be healthier when they're married because they have someone helping to look after them. They have some higher reason to live, to live for their wife and family. When a man remains single, he doesn't always have that sense. And so oftentimes, not always, but oftentimes it's very easy for him to develop habits that are not good for his health. He becomes a bit overweight or out of shape. He drinks and doesn't get enough sleep and so on. Not every man that's single does this. But by and large, even medical science has found that marriage is good for a man's health. Why? Because marriage calls him to a spiritual life, calls him to ascend to habits that are of a higher nature, of a spiritual nature. So all of the sacraments have contained with them a call to that life 
animated by grace that will actually help us to become healthier. So what happens when illness does happen to us or where maybe we're born with something, something genetic? Yes, this does happen. We get unexpected deaths or things that sort of kick in from genetics later on in life that we can't do much about. What do we do about that? What does the church offer for that? Well, again, the church offers a perspective that is actually healing. It's called redemptive suffering. We can take our suffering and we can make it something that actually makes us feel worse. We can aggravate it by a wrong spirituality. Or we can adopt the spirituality of the church, of Christianity, and that is redemptive suffering. That this is somehow good for our salvation. We can offer it in prayer on behalf of other people, offer it in prayer on behalf of our own sins, our own salvation. That's the great charism and gift of our faith. So it's basically win-win. So. Continue to check in when you're not feeling well to the hospital, the field hospital of the church with all of its riches that God has given the church for our health and salvation. Thank you for listening. Stay healthy. May God grant you a long life and salvation. I'm Father Thomas Loya on Light of the East. To hear Light of the East again, visit byzantinecatholic.com and click on the Features and Programs tab and on iTunes. Thank you for listening to Light of the East. We encourage you to tell a friend about Light of the East and to visit byzantinecatholic.com. Light of the East is produced by ADC Media. Radio is it's training for the troops. It's a interaural of the ear boot camp. The folks who listen, who grow in their faith, grow in charity, grow in all the virtues, they then go out and exert an influence far beyond just themselves. Catholic radio has an exponential effect for bringing people deeper into the faith. Dr. Ray Garendi thinks Catholic radio is important. So should you. Thank you for listening. Next week, we will return to the light of the East. To learn more about Annunciation Byzantine Catholic Parish, visit our website, byzantinecatholic.com, where you will also find an archive of all of our programs. In order to continue Light of the East with its mission of Christianity's reunion, we need your support with a donation. Any amount will be a blessing. Please make out a check to Light of the East Radio and send it to Light of the East, 14610 Will Cook Road, Homer Glen, Illinois, 60491. That's Light of the East, 14610 Wilcook Road, spelled W-I-L-L-C-O-O-K Road, Homer Glen, Illinois. Or donate online on the homepage of ByzantineCatholic.com. From the Light of the East, a new dawn of unity is in sight. God bless you, go with God, and may God grant you many happy years. Oh!